Welcome to the Venley Expert Talks, where we aim to inspire Web3 builders with great stories from great minds. I'm your host, Alexandra Ahrens, and I'd like to remind you that you can always reach out to us on Twitter, Discord, or LinkedIn with ideas for the podcast and questions for our guests. Welcome to episode 25 of the Venley Expert Talks. Today I'm joined by George Basiladze, founder of Vert, and we are going to discuss payments for NFTs. So thanks so much, George, for coming today. Um, it's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, thanks for joining me virtually, I guess I should say. Yeah. Um, so if we can start off first, I'd like to know a bit about your background in life and crypto and what led you up to the point of creating vert yeah sure so it's uh, i've been actually in crypto industry since 2013 uh, i had my previous company uh in the uk it's still up and running it's one of the oldest uh, bitcoin wallet exchange and prepaid card issuer so we were pioneers of uh, uh bitcoin cards like uh, you can spend your crypto whenever a visa is accepted uh two and something years ago i decided to do my own stuff um something new and something that will be used specifically in web3 uh because my previous company was uh it's, it's a centralized exchange or a centralized wallet and uh i've seen a lot of things uh that a lot of things will be happening in web3 space so I wanted to merge somehow to get into it. And uh, so I've sold my shares to existing shareholders and uh, established first. Great. So the idea first came on, uh, um, how it's called, uh, Web3 Summit, Web3 Summit, right, in uh, Berlin. Okay. Uh, the last one, there was so, it was so inspirational, like so many things would happen <laughs> so at that time like that fire was nothing there were no nfts but like oh yeah everybody would need a gateway uh, and uh yeah decided to do that uh, together with my co-founder cool was there one specific talk or something at that event that kind of spurred the thought or the idea uh so uh snowden was uh participating via video call and I was like, oh, okay, this is a cool event if Snowden is here. Uh, <laughs> like, <laughs> this is something really, like, okay, uh, really, it's like a think tank uh, that had been gathered for one day. Uh, and, uh, yeah, there were different stages and there were people talking about DAOs. And at that time, like, only a few people in the world, like, were thinking about DAOs, and they were guys already experimenting with governance, with the you know, voting and everything, and uh, DEXs, and uh, yeah, it was uh, really inspirational. Cool, very cool. Good. Um, then, for anyone that's unaware, unfamiliar, can you take us through about and everything that you guys do? Yeah, sure. So. Um, Worth is a German name for value or worth. Uh, and this is a key concept in, in, in Karl Marx's uh, um, economic theory. 
so what we want to do is we want to establish or reestablish or re-explore uh, the connection between money, value, and you know exchange rate and market value and how it's all interconnected and what is really value. Everybody knows like price is what you pay, value is what you get. So this is uh, that's about where. Uh, what we do is um, we help uh, Web3 and Web3 projects to onboard the users through purchasing of crypto. So uh, the idea is that um, you know buying cryptocurrency is a commoditized service. Like uh, it's a very easy thing to do. Uh, it's not a lot of innovation or <laughs> interesting things uh, to do. So. But in the world of Web3, um, buying of Ethereum uh, or buying of a custom token is less about the investment and more about, you know, actually the next step that's going to happen. So you buy ETH to do something with it or you buy token to do something with it. Like, And uh, what do we want to achieve? We want to help Web3 projects to onboard those users. So they don't need to pre-buy cryptocurrency, whether it's ETH or custom token or any other crypto, any form of crypto, and uh, directly onboard or on-ramp them into the final good, whether it's um, NFT or a governance token or the FI token or anything. Okay. That's, that's, that's our main thing. So we get, attracted, we get a lot of traction in NFT marketplaces and metaverse companies. So we help the end consumers to one-click purchase NFTs uh, without the need to pre-buy ETH or USDC or Tezos or Polygon, Matic token. They can buy the NFTs straight away with a credit or debit card. And um, the biggest benefit is that for, for the marketplace itself or for a Web3 project, they don't need to change anything about payment flow. Uh, sits on top of the existing smart contracts and uh, our on-ramp is directly integrated into the smart contract. So we invoke uh, a smart contract on behalf of the user with all liquidity and make sure that the user gets the final good. Okay, good. Thank you. <laughs> um, do you feel like you have to do kind of a lot of hand-holding for your customers? Um, (laughs) 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 Maybe an uncomfortable question. Maybe let me rephrase that. How do you advise your customers? (laughs) So uh, we have several types of customers. So Mm -hmm. so we have customers that have already some kind of a flow or like, you know, uh, some marketplaces that we work with like Mintable or Known Origin or Rarible. They have an existing flow, and mm-hmm. uh, when you talk to founders of those companies, they know what they're doing very good, and they instantly grasp like what is the service about and how it can be integrated. There's no problem with that, and everybody is like, "Oh, that's cool." I mean, I don't have to change anything. I just integrate that on top of the existing things, and instead of sending a transaction request to MetaMask, I send a transaction request to Vert, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, the integration goes smoothly. Everybody's like, wow, that's cool. That's elegant. But there are other type of clients. Uh, 
that are just starting up and uh, many of them are you know big brands uh, mm-hmm. fortune 500 brands uh, and uh, they don't really understand the scope of and, and how web3 works that there's a separation between the user and the dApp mm-hmm. and like you know when you sign or you sign in with metamask for them this concept is mm, new and they were like most they're like oh no we want to do a web3 thing just just you know do payment acquiring for us and we'll airdrop the nft okay uh, that's that's not <laughs> web3 spirit so we tried to advise them how to do things properly because uh, if you do this airdrop style thing then still there are some some issues with uh, compliance consumer protection and global regulations and uh, we advise them to have everything decentralized and, and web3 so there are you know minimum amount of potential issues mm-hmm. in the future okay yeah no that's good want to do it <laughs> properly yeah, um. yeah. And, and yeah and web3 <laughs> is everything like yeah. why anybody want to do things the old way uh, there's a new way, but uh, I guess uh, project managers and everybody just, mm, it's its hard for them to grasp the new concept. That's why they're, they're doing that. Mm-hmm. Are there any tips or any things that you can say to help grasp that kind of concept for those kind of people? Um, I would say that they, they, you know, go and try and buy things on, uh, on on Rarible, on, on OpenSea, uh, you know, buy NFTs uh, when they're just minted and, you know, buy crypto on big exchanges and to understand the whole user flow and the whole process, you know, create different wallets, Wallet Connect, uh, Coinbase wallets, like all those things. Uh, and then they understand how it, they should understand how it all works and what is like the thing, you know, why Web3 is trustless and uh, why it's great and uh, and so on. Mm-hmm. Good. So you did talk a bit about kind of the, the Fortune 500 companies yeah. kind of moving in there. Um, as that happens, obviously, the, the bigger players in the payment industry will probably come along with them. How do you plan to position yourselves against? Mm. There is a um, there is a clear uh, clear positioning. So mm-hmm. uh, the service that we provide, uh, of course, we we, we mm, reach out to marketplaces and we treat them as clients. But legally, our clients are people buying the NFTs or people buying crypto, and the service is provided always to the end consumer that buys the NFT. So that means that we are liable for all the applicable IML compliance, fraud prevention, chargebacks, and everything. So if somebody want to do this kind of a business, I don't know, Stripe, <laughs> Stripe maybe. For example, uh, yeah. For example, they would need to do applicable IML compliance and be liable for chargebacks. And uh, they are pure B2B companies, so they don't do any kind of a B2C, and they don't want to do that. So ideally, they would partner with companies like us uh, to do vertical integration. So we would be integrated with their processing 
and they would be integrated with us in a way that all the clients that they cannot serve uh, due to compliance and regulations are going to be forwarded to VERT, and we're going to be doing processing through them. And in that case, it's just a win-win situation for everybody. Yeah, definitely. That's good. That you can mesh well together. That's good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, with some of those partners, I guess, could you pick out maybe one or two of your favorite or most interesting use cases and, and talk about maybe how? So um, there's going to be an interesting thing happening next week. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, we've partnered with a company that uh, is doing NFT ticketing. Mm-hmm. So they're selling uh, a ticket to the event uh, in the form of an NFT. And they have the default flow, which is a credit card flow. So everything is decentralized. The buyer is buying the NFT. But on the under the hood thing is that there's a wallet created and there is an NFT purchase through our uh, payment module. Uh, on, mm-hmm. And everything happens on Tezos blockchain. So mm-hmm. the user gets the, the ticket, but in fact, there's an NFT. And based on the NFT, there's like an immersive experience also uh provided by the by the company and uh, this is really great and cool mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's very cool also we've done this uh, nft drop for avian uh the water company they've done uh the 20 nfts uh, collaboration with an artist everything goes to a charity and they've created this like a um, 3d experience where you go uh, a new browser, you, uh, you end up in a virtual space with, with NFTs displayed there and uh, you can buy one and uh, yeah. Yeah, very cool. So how are you able to do a KYC so quickly and efficiently that it doesn't delay the purchasing flow, for example, with credit cards? So... Um, we have, as a regulated company, we have a risk-based approach towards uh, products that we that we have and uh, types of transactions that we do. So for us, NFTs are low risk. Uh, NFT purchasing is a low risk product. Hence, uh, the AML that we do on uh, NFT purchasing of on users that do purchasing uh, the NFTs is different from you know just purchasing crypto and that's why the all the stuff is so seamless and fast but still it's the ml check it's just under the hood and it's quicker and faster than than usual ml checks perfect good then maybe more broadly here how have you seen nft payments change in the last few years and what do you expect to be coming in the future that'll have a big impact? So a year ago, uh, so our first client went live in April, 2021. It was Mintable. Uh, They were the first NFT marketplace that had credit card purchasing. And we were, um, and we were the, that, that engine that, that, uh, that helped them do that. So a year before that, there were no payments for NFTs. And a year and a half ago, there were no NFTs. Like, for well, two years, there were no NFTs. Like, payments for NFTs not didn't exist. Uh, it's the NFT industry is in a very, very early days. And uh, how things going to change in the future, uh, we we never know. 
Okay. <laughs> okay. Can you? I mean, yes, that's true. Can do you care to speculate at all? Anything that you think might be coming? Uh, yes, I would say that uh, it would be easier. Uh, mm-hmm. And but because the payments industry is a very, very, uh, you know, there's a limited amount of things that you can do. You know, you buy something online, you enter your credit card details, you get the good. And, you know, you have, in theory, you can have 0% fees and that's it. There's, where's the room for innovation? It's, it's such a, it, it will become such a commodity that nobody going to be talking about payments because what can you do about payments? You, you just pay and that's it. It's just an easy thing. <laughs> okay. I mean, fair. That's fair. <laughs> um. So if we switch maybe to the other angle of this, then um, how can purchasers be safe? How can they go about spotting scams or, or knowing what's worth buying? Um, when you buy an NFT, you make a cryptocurrency transaction, which is always final and irreversible. So if you send money to a scammer, uh, nobody can help you. Um, maybe the police can help you, uh, but nah. Uh, so when you buy an NFT, you should do your own research. Like there are tips, uh, like you know, buy on a reputable NFT marketplace. Um, check the terms and conditions for refunds and uh, and everything. Uh, when you you know check the artist uh, who's actually selling the NFT. And whether the, the, the content is you know, belongs to that artist, uh, w- whether the artist is verified on the exchange or not. Uh, so new, uh, new generation of NFT marketplaces now, they will, they're starting to have takedown policies. They're starting to have uh, uh, specific policies on verifying what type of content is being sold, whether the seller is allowed to sell this content, I mean, whether there's any copyright issues and so on. So uh, the industry is going that direction, which is good. Uh, and it's good for the consumer. And also there are card scheme rules, uh, like Visa and MasterCard rules, not the payment provider rules, but no Visa and MasterCard saying that you cannot buy an illicit good uh, with credit on debit card. That means that payment providers uh, should do adequate due diligence on, you know, what is being sold and whether it's a genuine good, whether it's, so it shouldn't be a replica and it shouldn't be, uh, there shouldn't be a copyright infringement and so on. So, Would you say that those are the, those are the rules, those are the, things in place that are kind of never send money to a stranger well (laughs) yeah okay that's not where i was going with that but that is a good tip very very solid tip (laughs) and especially when buying the nft you shouldn't be treating this as an investment i mean you could but uh if you treat this as an investment you should accept that there is a risk every investment bears a risk but if you buy nft for fun for your own collection or, you know, it's a memorabla, then, you know, you don't lose anything. You get your experience, you get your emotions and, and that's it. You never lose anything. But if you're buying it for an investment, 
then then you may be very um, frustrated. No. Okay. Fair enough. Um, with the safety point here, um, have you heard of, I assume you've heard of the ERC 721R? Um, that uh, adds... I haven't mm -hmm. heard about this R. You haven't? I know about okay. the standard, but... Mm -hmm. um, uh, I heard about the standard, but not mm -hmm. about this safe, safe feature. Okay, yeah. So, yeah, it's um, adds trustless refunds to NFT smart contracts. Um, so within a given period, you can get your money back, basically. Um, and that period in the in the yeah. Terms and conditions are all agreed upon up front, of course. Uh, well, if um, our if our partners would support the standard, we would support it as well. So, mm -hmm. if there is a refund thing built in into smart contract, then uh, it's uh, something that we will be able to do. But mm -hmm. we haven't heard any requests uh, for such a thing. Okay, it's fairly recent. Um, but good. So overall, though, you would say your thoughts and feelings on this are positive. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But I would okay. assume that um, I would assume that the artists, I mean the sellers, would avoid that thing because when they sell, they sell. Yeah. Fair. Okay. <laughs> so, so you, in your opinion, then, if I'm correct. It's something that may not be used as much as yes. it could or should. Okay. Okay. <laughs> All right. Um, then, yeah, maybe you can give me some of the um, pros and cons that you have for various options for NFT payments um, that maybe NFT sellers should know about. Mm. Always. Um, so the, the number one... Uh, not a tip, but a principle for every person that sells uh, something, whether it's a service, whether it's a good, uh, physical or virtual, is that you should mm, you should be sure that the buyer knows what he's buying and it exactly matches uh, buyer's expectation. Otherwise, because when there's a mismatch between expectations, uh, then buyer will be frustrated and he will somehow either want to have a refund or he will never buy uh, from you on a second time, you know, on a second time. So uh, the deal is should be a good deal always. And uh, the key thing here is uh, a symmetry of information. So the buyer should know everything that he needs to know uh, in order to make an, a good decision. So it's a good deal. And that for, for NFTs, it's like, you know, when the artist is selling something, first, like, okay, the buyer should know who the artist is, right? And First step, for sure. And uh, uh, why, the, yes, then if you're buying art, then you should be, you know, you should know something about this art, right? Uh, there should be an artist statement and uh, know more about the piece and uh, more about the collection and, and everything you can't go to a museum. Imagine a museum being uh, an NFT marketplace. You can't go to a museum without, you know, 
you know, everything, like everything is written there, right? You know, what is this piece called? Where it's been produced? What is it about? Uh, there's some descriptions and uh, information about the, the, the painter and, and everything. So if you go to an NFT marketplace, you should know those things if you're buying art in order to make a good decision. Yeah, definitely. So with that, that's more, well, yeah. I mean, that's that's a tip for both sides, I suppose, yes. for the, the buyer and the seller. Yes, of course. <laughs> right? Um, are there any tips or, or any, yeah, any thoughts for sellers on uh, payment processing specifically for their NFTs? So if... If the sellers are using uh, our service, um, we do not have a direct contract with the seller. We have a direct contract with the buyer. So we do not verify sellers and we didn't do the KYB of the sellers. So for them, it doesn't make any difference whether the customer is buying with a credit card through Vert or the customer is buying with ETH directly. They just see a transaction, a cryptocurrency transaction, and, and that's it. So for them, there's no difference, but uh, yeah, that's that's the, the answer. Okay, that's your answer. Good, <laughs> good. Um, maybe you can talk a little bit about how international regulations on virtual currency um, limit options, and yeah, let's start there. Yeah, so there's. Um, Mm, there are two um, um, points of view. Not yeah, okay. Points of view. Uh, so there's the U.S. and there's the U.S. point of view, and the main person in the U.S., not a person entity that that does that, is DFS, mm-hmm. uh, New York Department of Financial Services. They haven't done. They haven't made any statement on whether NFTs are cryptocurrencies or not. Mm-hmm. So if NFTs are cryptocurrencies, that would mean that uh, they would need to whitelist every cryptocurrency that has been sold to residents of New York. And that also would mean that all the companies that are selling or engaging in uh, NFT business would need to, record, to have a bit license, which is like, I don't know, half, half a million dollars in fees and a year of, a, you know, a year of a, Waiting time, uh, so that's the one thing, and then there's a European uh, view. So they've uh, and the main uh, entity there is a UK FSA, FCA, uh, Financial Conduct Authority. So they made a statement a couple of years ago, and they've distinguished all the cryptocurrencies and they've separated them in different groups. So there's exchange tokens like Ethereum, Bitcoin, Litecoin, whatever. Then there are security tokens, then there are uh, stable coins, and then there are, you know, utility tokens, which are basically goods. So NFTs that are, you know, art, that are, you know, tickets, or, yeah, they fall into that category. So basically, they are visual goods, and, uh, yeah. But there's no clarity on it. It can change any time, and uh, especially in uh, in states, uh, they mm-hmm. can issue a statement. Uh, it can be a wild statement, like "Oh my god, 
and uh, uh, <laughs> you can do anything about it. Yeah. Yeah. Does it, I mean, when it, you say it changes it at any time, is it yeah. one day to the next that you have to watch out? Uh, so we have a dedicated compliance person that monitors all, all the news, regulations, and statements. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Same as in every financial institution. Do those two major points of view, as we're calling them, um, does that greatly affect how you can do business, who you can do business with, where, and that kind of thing? Or is it, have you found it's not? Uh, they, they generally limit our ability to offer services to, to clients. Uh, I mean, buyers in that jurisdictions and uh with europe europe has been easy with us being a little bit more uh challenging but uh you can do things uh easy way and then you can do things hard way so you can limit uh the service a little bit or you know narrow the scope so okay you get very limited service but it can be sold to uh, new york residents for example Okay, we're gonna do that, but it just takes a lot of time, and it's not just like a, you know beautiful system, which is uh, which is a single system, spread, like one service that is spread all over the world. But you have to do some, you know, carve outs for specific jurisdictions. Okay. Okay. Now again, nothing is sure in the future, but do you have any? hopes or dreams or speculations on how those regulations will change or, um, yeah, be affected in the future? I have a view that many regulators all over the world um, try to regulate things that they cannot regulate. Uh, and uh, sometimes uh, when they do that, for example, in Europe, there's new law uh, which is not yet uh, uh, put in force, but what they want to do, they want to ban non-custodian wallets. I mean, if you're a wallet provider, let's say MetaMask, uh, not to advertise anybody, right? So if you're a MetaMask, <laughs> uh, that would mean that somehow for EU users, uh, you would need to apply KYC, on uh, on those users, and uh, if you're buying from a big exchange and you're withdrawing that funds to your MetaMask, you 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 will have a limitation of, of around thousand euros that you can have on a balance, and in theory, what they want to do, I can understand. So they don't want. Uh, uh, natural persons to have uh, a lot of cryptocurrencies stored in uh, non-custodian wallets. Uh, I can understand that, but you cannot enforce that regulation because nothing can prevent you from downloading the wallet from the internet. You know, you just download it from GitHub. It's information. You, you download a wallet or you you use a source code and you compile a wallet. Okay, you compile a, an application and then you go and buy cryptocurrency uh, from from your friend. 
and in theory it's going to be an illegal transaction or and everybody should go to jail but why like it's, <laughs> it's so stupid like they're trying to to, to create uh, a system which they cannot enforce and there are other ways how to reach the goals that they have uh, without this these things like yeah mm-hmm Well, then, yeah, take me through what you think some of those other ways to reach those goals are. Yeah, so, um, you know, all this AML and stuff. Um, there is a thing called cash in the world. And you can okay. have any amount of cash. <laughs> uh, I mean, like, banknotes and coins. Like, you can have, uh, I don't know, $100,000 in cash. Yeah, and imagine nothing that. And there's no law in the world that prevents you from having that money in that form. So why would anybody limit you in having your money in a form of cryptocurrency worth the same amount? Mm-hmm. Uh, however, what they want to do is they would limit uh, how you travel with that money and how much money you can spend in a single transaction. So... Obviously, there are laws that say that if you're a high-value dealer, for example, in the UK, if you sell something which is worth more than £10,000 or £15,000, uh, you should do some kind of a basic KYC on the consumer. And uh, there are certain laws and regulations for real estate agents and uh, uh, in real estate market. So I would say if you treat cryptocurrency the same way you treat cash everything's gonna just make sense okay you are allowed to have any amount of cash in your house but when you bring that cash to to a bank the bank obviously will ask you where's the money coming from like what's the source of funds and so on and it's the same situation when you have a non-custodian wallet and then you have a custodian wallet on the exchange so you bring money from non-custodian wallet to a custodian wallet and the custodian provider will obviously ask you for the source of funds. And that's okay. This model is much better than what everybody is trying to, to do. And uh, also I think that um, they're trying to fight uh, money laundering and terrorist financing, but I haven't heard that there are terrorists in Germany or Estonia or Sweden or Norway or Portugal. Like, who are they fighting with? <laughs> like, I don't know. That's a different um, podcast, I yeah. think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, if you want to fight uh, money laundering and, you know, tax evasion, uh, you can create a system, uh, you know, you bring the transparency to how your, you know, people's taxes are spent. And instead of, you know, doing penalties for, you know, if you don't pay taxes, uh, you better, there's so more, like there are many ways how to avoid the problem of tax evasion without enforcing uh, special rules. Mm-hmm. Okay. You can lower the taxes. You can uh, you can say that anybody who pays taxes is saint. I don't know, like many ways how to <laughs> <laughs> how to uh, how to do that. Okay, good. 
Good. <laughs> um, perfect. Can you tell me maybe specifically or talk me through what you think is currently causing the most friction for NFT purchases and what you feel a solution or two might be? Um, so in NFT purchases, there were two pain points. One is a payment. Uh, and uh, I hope that Verb has solved that, that pain point because now you can okay. buy the mm-hmm. NFT with a credit card without all this hassle. The second pain point is uh, the wallet. So when you buy an NFT, you still need a wallet where you host this NFT, right? Uh, because it's a, it's a cryptocurrency, kind of a cryptocurrency. And to have this cryptocurrency, you need to have a wallet. And uh, this also can be solved, not by VERT. Uh, maybe we will add this feature in the future, but you can create wallets on the fly. So when user is buying, they enter the credit card details, uh, there's a wallet generated, and after the purchase, they get the access to this wallet. And we get a third pain point. So to move the NFT from that wallet to another wallet, you need to have, you need to pay gas. And even if it's like, if it's Polygon, it's like a fraction of a cent, but still you need to pay a minor fee. And uh, this also can be solved by Vert. So when when we sell the NFT, we can we will be asking uh, the consumer, hmm, do you want to buy a little bit of gas as well? So in the future, you can withdraw that NFT from the wallet. Okay. 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 So pain points solved. Yeah. Everything's uh, great. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> some of them sold now. Some of them are going to be sold in the future. Sold, sold in the future. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Good. Yeah, but the ideal NFT purchase, you kind of yeah laid out what it looks like. How can specifically blockchain developers get involved to help us reach that goal? Mm, I think blockchain developers already did the best that they could. So uh, from the smart contracts perspective and, you know, from blockchain transactions and everything, there's so much flexibility that is available and uh, it's not a problem. Uh, The UI and, you know, uh, user experience is a problem. I mean, all those pain points that I've listed, it's not a, you know, you don't need to be a Solidity developer to, uh, (laughs) to solve them. It's more of a product problem rather Mm -hmm. than a technology problem. Okay, good. So UI, UX, we've heard this before. It's not the buttons, it's it's not the buttons, it's uh, how it goes, the the whole experience. Functionality. Yeah, I mean, some people say that, uh, um, I don't want users to buy NFTs directly, I want them to pre-buy ETH first and then with the ETH buy the NFT because I want to, I want them specifically to feel that pain. Yeah, yeah, they, 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 we had, we had uh, customers um, that say so. Someone actually said that to you? One of, one yeah, of your... yeah, 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 yeah. But one of the clients that we didn't work with. Yeah. <laughs> okay, okay. So because you said, they, yeah, they, they I don't think that, our visions match. Know, uh, <laughs> because they say that, oh, 
uh, Web3 thing is really hard and complicated. And we, if we, sh you know, allow the users to buy easily, then they don't get the whole thing. Okay. Okay. It sounds, that's, yeah. <laughs> that's one perspective. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Then maybe, maybe not the, the perfect client match there. Yeah, but... yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Good. <laughs> All right. So I just have two last little things here. Um, so do you have anything to plug? Anything new, exciting happening with Verant or anything that you want to talk uh, about? No. I, so we've, maybe, yes. I mean, we've raised the funding round recently. Yeah. Uh, but it's an old, it's, it's a, the, the, the new piece is month old. So I don't know whether it's. Yeah, but we've, we've raised the funding round and uh, uh, Tango's Capital, Elements Ventures and Redstone VC uh, invested. Also, there were co-investors and one of them is Tezos Foundation, which is really great. Like, uh, we like Tezos <laughs> and uh, yeah, we are delighted to have them as shareholders and we are looking forward into, you know, working with more projects in Tezos. Perfect. Good. And do you have any ideas on who we should have on Venly Expert Talks next? Mm. You should have guys from Polygon Foundation. From Polygon? Okay. We, yeah. yeah. We had one yeah. from Polygon. Is there anyone specific that you would no, be interested uh, in no, hearing I don't from? know much. Uh, I don't know too many people from Polygon, just a couple of guys. They're all cool okay. and they have a great vision. And uh, first I was thinking that Polygon, like with ETH uh, 0.2 emerging, uh, why everybody's talking about Polygon is going to disappear. But then I had a chat with them and I understood, oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, those guys understand what they do and this <laughs> thing should exist very much yes they're great okay cool yeah then uh, we'll see if i can reach out to them <laughs> cool well then thank you so much for taking some time and uh talking to me today really appreciate it and uh yeah look forward to seeing what happens next we'll